Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. I'll tell you what. The leaves are falling, the air is crisp, and fall truly has taken over my quaint little mountain village. It's days like today that make me feel like I'm in a Stephen King story. At least, the beginning chapters. I have a great show lined up for you guys tonight. We're going to hit a wide spectrum of paranormal accounts... But before we get started, I wanted to remind everyone that the Mirrored Men t-shirts are up in the storefront on the website. The direct link to that is www.monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop. I've already sold several of the new designs, so don't get left out. Order yours today. And one more thing before we get started. I just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone that sent me a message over the past week. I am so happy and proud to have such kind, supportive, and downright amazing listeners. So, in lack of a better phrase, thank you all. All right, let's get on with tonight's show. As I touched on, not only in the opener, but on several episodes now, I live in the mountains. But before all that, I was part of the grind of Los Angeles. Working the corporate life, braving the traffic, the smog, the people, and growing more and more miserable by the day. Well, a little over a year ago, my fiancé and I decided we were done with that life. We bought a small cabin in the mountains above town and settled in. We instantly fell in love with this place, and what's not the love? It's beautiful crystal blue lakes, the 100-foot cedar and pine, the exposed rock, and breathtaking views. This place is nothing short of magical. But it seems there is a darker side to mountain life. For each magical day comes the eerie night. Now, I'm not one to fear the dark or the creatures that lurk in it, but there is something spooky about this place at night. Something far beyond the whispering pines and looming fog. And our first story of the night might just lend credence to that strange feeling that I get here. The following story was sent in by my new friend and neighbor here on the mountain. This is John's story from California. Hi Derek, my name is John and I'm going to share my story. First off, I'd like to say I've 
listen to all your podcasts. I like them very much. Props to the show. Reason why I'm calling in and sharing, <clears throat> even though it's taken me a while because of uh, the fact that I'm a skeptic, very skeptical, and this story is pretty unbelievable. Even when I shared it with my wife, she's like, uh, okay, whatever. So, anyways, here it is. I, I grew up in the mountains of Southern California, and when I was about 15, 16 years old, I was, uh, my mom and my uncle used to live across the street from each other. And in front of my mom's house, there's this drain where all the water goes in, right? Just from the, the streets. It's really high though and deep. And we used to crawl in there and make snow forts and crawl through the tubes down into the main drain back and forth. And so it's big. So one night my mom had made cookies and she wanted me to take some cookies over to my uncle's house. So I went over there and I took the cookies over there and my uncle had turned on the outside light for me to see. So I walk across the street and I give the cookies to my aunt at the door. I say goodnight, love you aunt, so on and so forth. I start walking back home and down in the drain I see two uh, eyes reflecting light. And I'm thinking, oh man, what's in there? You know, it's got to be pretty big because it's able to look up out of the drain where I would have to stand up to climb up out of. And so as I walk closer and closer, I, I see it more and more detail because my aunt had left the light on and it was shining in into the drain. <laughs> and it was a, a werewolf face. And I get close enough to see that it's not my imagination it's not changing from anything else but a werewolf face and and i keep looking closer because i'm thinking man this can't be real there's no such thing as werewolves and it's just this is my my imagination playing tricks on me and i so i walk close enough to where i i'm probably about three feet away and i lean down to get kind of a closer look and it growled at me and it and it show, shows its teeth and I immediately just stood up and walked as quickly as I could into the downstairs door of my mother's house and didn't say anything about it and figured that was my imagination playing tricks on me. That couldn't have been real no matter what my brain tells me or how real it was. But, um, yeah, it was real. So that's my story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, John, for sharing with everyone. When John learned of my interest in the paranormal, he shared this story with me. And boy, am I glad that he did. Initially, I was a bit skeptical. Not that I thought John was lying, but more that I thought that the darkness and his paranoia got the better of him, which caused him to mistake a local animal for something much more bizarre. After all, we do have bobcat, coyote, mountain lion, and black bear. I saw one of our resident black bears just a few short months ago out of my bedroom window. But, knowing that he'd grown up here and is familiar with all the animals that call this hilltop home, I'm convinced it would be very difficult for him to misidentify. So, that leaves us with a few other logical explanations. Could someone have pranked him and not owned up to it? I'm sure it's possible that someone with a werewolf mask thought it would be funny to scare the pants off of some poor kid, but in this area, you're taking your own life into your hands if you're dressing up like a werewolf and running through the woods. Which leads me to my other explanation. Is it possible that John witnessed a dogman? Now, dogmen are not often covered on this show, which is very unfortunate because I absolutely love these encounter stories. 
but the calls are few and far between. So, I did a little digging. As it turns out, there are several dogman encounters within an hour's drive of here, and another half dozen or so just beyond that. Surprisingly, there are even several in the greater Los Angeles area. Which brings me to this. The following clip was taken by a video posted on YouTube by user The Cloaked Hedgehog and details an encounter which was reported roughly an hour from where John's encounter took place. Cabinet of Wonders posted this next story. It's no longer there, but it can be found at ghosttheory.com. It started, I suppose, last winter. Being in a particularly dry area of Southern California, it was to my great surprise when a friend of mine and I discovered a sizable lake just over a small ridge on a well-traveled road in our area. We began exploration of the area, aided by Google Earth, which revealed a large number of lakes in the same vicinity. The lakes, as I was later to discover, were part of the valley's flood control system and hold water for much of the year. During one of our explorations, we found something out of place. It was February, I believe, and after the rainy season, The grass had grown pretty tall on the ridge overlooking the first lake we found. On this ridge we found a trail of very large footprints. These prints were approaching two feet in length with a very long stride, longer than that of my friend who is six foot six. We followed these prints for a good quarter mile before they disappeared into the chaparral. From then on we dubbed the creature Lake Ape and made many subsequent searches, to no avail, besides the discovery of several more lakes. My friend decided to drive down the new side road alone one night. What made him do it, I don't know, that road is terrifying at night. He was nearing the first of the terraced hills when a figure crossed the road in front of him. He described it as a tall, dark humanoid. It then climbed a five to six foot berm on the side of the road and disappeared in the direction of the hill. We returned to the area the next day and reenacted the scene. From this he determined that the creature must have been much taller than even he was to have looked taller than the berm from the distance that he saw it. I have to admit, I didn't believe him at first. I thought it was just making it up. The following took place in the space of about two minutes. While looking up at the trees, I noticed something much closer to us, standing in the field on the other side of the berm. My thought process was actually quite comical. I first dismissed it as a bush, then kept looking up at the trees. I glanced at it again, then thought it was a man, a very tall man. Then I looked at it longer and realized that it was covered in brown hair and, rather than the Sasquatch-like creature I would have expected, it had a dog-like head, most comparable to a German Shepherd. I asked my friend, are you seeing this? And he said, you mean that figure over there? There was a moment of silence in which the creature walked off to the left to an area where the berm was too high to see over and disappeared. I believe we both shouted, oh sh! and sped off. From then on, Lake Ape became Dogman. 
both of our accounts of the creature matched up. We agreed that it was seven to eight foot tall, was covered in brown fur, had a wide chest and muscular physique, body more akin to a man than Sasquatch is reported to be, had a canine-like head closely resembling a German Shepherd or other wolf-like dog with large pointed ears. And as usual, you can find a link to the complete video in the show notes. Thank you again, John, for submitting. And if anyone else out there has had an encounter with a dogman-type creature, please pick up that phone. I'd love to hear your story. Up next, we take a little road trip. The following is Haley's call from Texas. Hi, Derek. This is Haley from Texas. I've called a few times before, um, and I wanted to share a story that happened to me and my dad over the summer. Um, My family and I, we were uh, taking a road trip from Texas to California, um, which was insane, and I would not recommend, but I also really would. Um, Anyway, we were passing through Arizona, Um, We were past Phoenix, I know that for sure, and it was some ungodly hour, like 2, 1 or 2 in the morning. Uh, Only my dad and I were awake, and uh, and we were just driving along this empty highway. We were the only people on the road, and uh, the night was really clear, there wasn't a moon. Um, it It was nice. Um, but we're passing by this field and at the same time he and I both show three lights up here and uh, they kind of formed a triangle really low to the ground like really low and uh, and the two bottom lights seem to have almost a beam not like a strong one, but you could tell that light was reflecting off of the surroundings from those two. Um, and we both saw it and did a double take, and we were like, what? What was that? That came out of nowhere. And I was in the passenger seat, so I turned around, and I kept watching it, and within a few seconds of us passing it, it blinked out of existence and I told my dad and I was like it's gone and we uh, were both uh, pretty pretty freaked out by it and uh, couldn't stop talking about it the whole trip Um, I drew it in a journal um, so I will try and find that journal and send you a picture of it uh, or my drawing of it so you can kind of get an idea of what I saw but it was uh, it was pretty creepy um, and so uh, yes that that's about it um, that's the creepiest thing that happened on that trip but uh, I'll call back with some more stories thanks for everything Derek thank you Haley I've driven that stretch of road recently and I can say that the remoteness of it all seems very creepy especially at night. Unfortunately, I did not experience strange lights in the sky, but I do know that the area that Haley spoke about has its fair share of sightings. 
Now, as for plausible explanations, I can't help but wonder if Haley simply saw a few cell phone towers or even wind turbines. On a clear desert night, some of the warning lights can look very bright, and if you're moving at high speed, it wouldn't take long for those lights to disappear behind a hill or even a mountain, making it seem like they just vanished. But, as I always say, I wasn't there, so it's hard for me to determine one way or another. But I will say, thank you again, Haley, for calling in. I'm really looking forward to hearing your other stories. Our last call of the evening is one that took me a bit by surprise. When I first listen to a call, I take notes along with the story. Usually locations, places, possible explanations, but at the top of that list is the subject of the call. Typically I'll write ghosts or hauntings or even Bigfoot or UFO. But this call, I'd write one thing, then seconds later I'd scribble that out and write another, and so on. It wasn't until the end that I even realized that what the caller was describing was near undescribable. This is Andy's call from Texas. Hey, uh, Derek, this is Andy. I'm, I'm calling you from Dallas, Texas. Uh, uh, I wanted to share a story with you from when I was a teenager. Uh, so this happened about 10 years ago when I was living in Missouri with my family, uh, way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but at the time, we, you know, we owned a home and it had probably like about 20 acres of land with it. The bulk of that was pretty heavily wooded. Um, but just to kind of set the scene for you, uh, in front of the house was probably about three or four acres of cleared off land. So we had this pretty massive yard. Uh, then there was, in front of that was the, the only road that came through there. And then, uh, across from the road was again, heavily wooded. So, uh, as anyone who lives way out in the middle of nowhere will tell you, um, the, the trash man doesn't typically come out there. So, uh, you know, it's up to you to dispose of your garbage on your own. So, typically, you would burn it. Uh, so, this happened, I was 17, and um, uh, I, uh, I was going outside to burn our trash, and so I'm walking down our, our driveway, and I just, I hear this noise that's, I, I mean, I, I would compare it to almost like a dove, but somewhere between that and like kind of like the 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 sound effect that the the raptors would make in the Jurassic Park films that kind you know that that when they're talking back and forth so i hear this noise and i i turn around and probably 20 yards from me i can see a silhouette uh and it, it's kind of it's in the ditch between like our yard and the road and it looks to be like four foot tall, um, it's it, it's humanoid. Like I, I can definitely tell that it looks like a person, uh, but it, you know it's so dark I can just barely see the silhouette of it. And you know we live out there, way out in the middle of nowhere, but we do have neighbors. They just they're just quite a ways away. So initially I just thought that perhaps this was a child, like one of their kids was out there, maybe got lost. You know, there's no telling. So I hollered out at it. You know, do you need help? Who, who's there? You know, that kind of thing. And didn't respond. Uh, but I could tell from its stance that it was it was aware I was there. And it was looking right at me. Uh, it, it started to come toward me, whatever it was. 
and right about then, uh, coming down the coming down the road from behind me, there comes a car. You know, and it's middle of the night, so the headlights are on, so it's kind of illuminating ahead of me. And I see when it when it goes by, this thing's face was like first of all, it it wasn't a person. Uh, it's it had like flesh colored. Um, skin it was but it was it was pale there wasn't any muscle definition really the skin seemed to barely be holding on and but its face uh you know this is a long time ago but i remember its its eyes looked like like almost like cataract like like they were huge and they were like gray like like someone who has like just severe cataracts and then its teeth were just impossibly long like for the size of this whatever um they were, they were long and they, they appeared to be like very sharp almost, almost like he had a mouthful of like snake fangs uh but uh I mean I, I would compare it to um an anglerfish if you're familiar with what those are um but whatever it was I guess the car scared away because the car goes by and it runs across the road into those those woods. But the thing was just impossibly fast. Uh, it was a split second and it was gone. Uh, I told my friends about it the next day at school and we all got together and we, we went out in the woods and we looked for anything, any kind of sign of it, you know, because we were stupid kids. But you know, we didn't we didn't find anything, obviously. Um, but I'm really anxious to hear if, if anyone else has seen anything like this, um, you know, hopefully it's not just me, uh, but, uh, love your show, man, keep it up, um, you know, big, big fan, I try to tell as many people as possible about it, uh, but, uh, you know, thanks again, Uh, thanks for taking the time to listen. Thank you, Andy. Whew, this is a good one. The creature you encountered is like nothing I've ever heard of. So, short on ideas, I did a little Google searching and found the following on the forums at allsupernatural.net. A couple of years ago, I had an extremely frightening episode of sleep paralysis. I woke up in the middle of the night one night, laying on my back with my arms sort of folded over my chest, and I was staring at the ceiling. I noticed that the room had a strange greenish glow, and the room felt very dreamy. The next thing I noticed was that I could not move a muscle, no matter how hard I tried. I sat there for about ten seconds trying to move, when suddenly I felt a presence upstairs at the top of my steps. My room is in the basement, right at the foot of the stairs. As soon as I felt the presence, I heard extremely loud footsteps go from the top of the steps all the way to the side of my bed in literally about a quarter of a second. Very fast. By the time I could move my head, I had looked over to see the creature that looked exactly like Venom from Spider-Man, except its skin was totally pale and had no texture, and it didn't have a face. It then walked up to my bed, leaned over me, and sort of made a hissing sound. I turned away from it since my head was the only thing I could move, and in the corner of my eye I saw its tongue come out and lick my ear. I don't remember what happened next, but the next thing I remember I was looking at my door, 
the creature was gone. Then the greenish glow in the room changed to a dark blue glow. Suddenly, three dark figures walked in my room. They stood about five feet away from my bed for seconds. Then they walked out. But before the last figure walked out, he stopped, looked back at me, then walked out and closed the door. I laid in bed for a good minute after that trying to move, and was finally able to move my finger which broke me out of my paralysis. I sat up with a loud gasp and looked around my room. I don't know how I managed it, but I just went back to sleep. The next morning I told my brother about it and he said he's had many episodes of sleep paralysis in which he saw dark figures, although I think dark figures are very common in sleep paralysis. Now I'll admit that until I found this story I had no idea who Venom was, but after searching for images of the apparently famous supervillain, I instantly felt terrible for both the previous submitter and for Andy. Running into a creature that looks even remotely like that would be downright life-changing. Now, as for logical explanations, outside of a full-on hallucination, I haven't a clue. At least with the sleep paralysis story, there is the sleeping disorder to fall back on. But as for Andy's case, I'm going to have to shake my head and shrug. Your guess is as good as mine. But I am really glad that he took the time to share with us. I really enjoy these mystery calls, even if I can't quite explain them. Thanks again, Andy. And that's going to do it for this episode, but before I go, this. I was lucky enough to sit down with Justin and Ellie from Zing This Podcast the other day to talk cryptids. Do yourself a big favor and follow the link on tonight's show notes and give not only that episode, but a few others a shot, especially if you're into comic books or anything pop culture related. Thanks again to those two for having me on. Next week's show will be the Halloween special. I really need a catchy name for this thing. Anyone have any suggestions? Anyway, as I was saying, next week's episode will be filled with campfire and ghost stories. I've had several submitted already, but I'm looking for a few more. So if you've got a great fictional ghost or campfire story and you're willing to share, call the hotline at one 888 608-NIGHT That's 1-888-608-6444 Just be sure to mention that the call is for the Halloween special before you start the story And of course that hotline is always open for other submissions as well In addition, you can email me at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com or submit anonymously at the Report Your Sightings tab on the website I want to take a quick minute to thank the talented Corey Trim for his amazing artwork that accompanies each episode. If you're a member of the Monsters Among Us fan page, you've probably seen his Anatomy of an Encounter series, where he adds his art to experiences shared on past episodes of the show. So if you see any of his work out there, be sure to show him some love. Thanks again, Corey. And speaking of thank yous, I want to thank Dana M. for her kind words and her generous donation. If you'd like to be like Dana and float a little donation to keep the show rolling smoothly, you can do so by visiting the Donate tab on the website. Any amount is truly appreciated. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.